All right, all right. It is the Chief Zone Podcast, a big episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. A lot to get into here on this episode. As you see right there in the title of your screen, the Kansas City Chiefs have a pro bowler they have signed to their team, Darrell Rivas. How much of an impact will he make? How much is he making and how long will he be here in Kansas City? And what does that really mean for this Chiefs defense? What does he have to bring to the table at his age right now? We will get into all of that in just a moment. Welcome into the podcast, everyone. I am Farzim Vasugan, your host of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Certainly very excited to talk about this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Very busy week in terms of Kansas City Chiefs news and, of course, the Darrell Rivas subject just adds on to it so we don't definitely do not have any time to waste first and foremost a happy thanksgiving to all of you listening to the podcast as well as everyone else not listening to the podcast but of course you guys taking the time to listen on your holiday week your weekend uh, of course you guys are taking time off but i'm sure a lot of you guys listening to this while you're traveling while you're on the road whatever the case may be much appreciated to have you guys Listening to the podcast. Greatly appreciate that you guys are listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Let a friend know about it. Share it on social media. You guys can interact with me on social media. Facebook.com slash Farzim And just a reminder, you guys can check me out on Facebook Live at halftime and after every game. So we will do that this weekend for the Chiefs and Bills game. I'll do a Facebook Live right at halftime. And then as soon as the, as soon as the second half gets underway, we will turn that off and come back with a... Facebook Live post-game recap. So check it out all on Facebook.com slash Farzin Like it, follow it. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzin21. And you guys can email me as well, Farzin at Farzinvesugian.com. All right, as I said earlier, uh, we have no time to waste. A lot of topics to get into. Uh, a Chiefs player called out and wants to meet with Donald Trump. Oh, boy. Uh, and you guys may or may not be shocked as to who that player was. I call him out. I'll get to that later on. Three Chiefs players returned to practice this week. We'll talk about who those players are and if they can make an impact this week if they are available. Also, the early Pro Bowl list is out. We'll talk about which Chiefs players have made the list so far. And, of course, we'll break down the game between the Chiefs and the Bills. And, as always, we will have our closing segments. We'll all go out of bounds around the NFL, and I'll throw my penalty flags to wrap up the show. All right, let's get to the big news. This was very shocking because this has been just kind of a somber week for the Kansas City Chiefs. And just the conversations I've had with you guys on Facebook and Twitter, it's all negativity. Not a lot of fans are optimistic right now. A lot of Chiefs fans frustrated, understandably and rightfully so. This is a team that started off 5-0 and and now they have dropped four of their last five games. You, I mean, they're essentially almost a 500 team. And this is a team that started off 5-0. And look, let's just be honest. The only reason they're not a 500 team right now is, well, that Denver game, let's be honest. It, had that been just even an average offense, boy, uh, th- that they could have probably defeated Kansas City in that football game. I mean, that's how tough it's been. The last five games compared to the first five games. It's really been uh, just a complete 180 with this football team. And the addition of Darrell Rivas has really... I can just get a good vibe that everyone's feeling different right now. 
there's a lot to get into with Darrell Rivas. There really is. Because, number one, what kind of an impact is he going to make on the team? I'll get to that shortly. But number two, what kind of an impact will will he make short term but also long term? And then his contract. This is where things get tricky. This is all going to be discussed in just a matter of moments. The contract part, let me just say now, it is very complex and it may sound boring because I'm going to punch a lot of numbers at you guys. But if you, first of all, this does involve Alex Smith in a really big way. And you'll want to listen closely to this because, and I'll try my very best to explain that contract as clearly as possible because at the end of the day, you can only have one player in 2018 between these two. It's either going to be Alex Smith or... Or Darrell Rivas. I'll get into that in just a moment. But for right now, 2017 purposes. He's receiving $6 million from the Jets. The Chiefs have inked him through 2018. But as far as this year goes, he's receiving $6 million from the Jets. Could have sat out the entire year and would have been paid from the Jets. So he's going to be playing for the league minimum with the Chiefs this season. Why? I mentioned this before. The regular season kicked off and why I thought it'd be a great idea to sign him. And here it is. I think part of it had to do with contract negotiations and how much he wanted early on. And now that he sees that he has not been signed yet, maybe he's he's lowered his asking price. And eventually here we are. But the charges that were uh, filed against Revis were dismissed after his name was involved in a fight. In some sort of incident that occurred last February. The Jets released Rivas, who was charged with four felonies, two counts of aggravated assault, one count of uh, each robbery and conspiracy, and a misdemeanor count of making terroristic threats, according to reports. A municipal judge in Pittsburgh dismissed all of those charges. Therefore, the Jets are forced to pay the $6 million owed to Rivas after they released him. So certainly kind of a premature move, but when you hear the word charge, you think it's okay to release a person, but there's still a little more uh, that needs to be revealed. And the Jets did not wait for those details, uh, thinking they had all of the information they needed to go ahead and release him and be able to cut ties with him. You guys may remember Dwayne Bowe a couple of years ago. uh, He was, of course, arrested and charged with speeding and possession of marijuana, and because he did that, that allowed the Chiefs to release him without any major cap penalty two years after he signed a five-year deal because he he committed the crime, was charged, and was suspended one game by the league. So therefore, in an incident like that, the Chiefs were able to let him go without any major cap penalty. And that's what the Jets thought they were about to do. But of course, uh, after some some legal activities there involved, uh, the the Jets realized they had to pay him the $6 million and certainly would have not released him had they known it would have come down to that. So that's one side of it. For those wondering why is he not making so much with the Chiefs, that's why right there. As far as his play on the field, 29 career interceptions. He had just one last season in his second stint with the Jets. He had five the season before with the Jets when he returned to the organization, spent 2013 with Tampa Bay, and then he went to New England in 2014, won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. Of course, that was the Super Bowl where the Patriots came away with an interception right at the one-yard line when Russell Wilson tried to squeeze it in there on a a quick slant route, 
And just right before time expired, uh, the Seahawks blew the game down by just four points. So, boy, uh, tough, tough way to lose the Super Bowl. But, of course, Darrell Rivas was part of that team before returning to the Jets for a second stint with that organization. One thing to note, and by the way, he's been voted to the Pro Bowl seven times, four-time first-team All-Pro player. He is 32 right now. He will turn 33 in July. A lot of you have asked that, wondered how much does he have left in the tank. Well, you know, at this point, at this point, he's proven that he can still cover guys. It's not like this is Philip Gaines, of all people, who, who the Chiefs have signed. And on top of that, I think he's he's surrounded by great coaches. Surrounded by Andy Reid, of course, one of the best head coaches in the National Football League. Regardless of the fact he doesn't have a ring, he's still one of the better head coaches out there. And you've seen it throughout all these years that he's been involved in coaching. Just the players that he's managed to develop. And let's not forget the secondary coach. Emmett Thomas, former Chiefs defensive back, Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion with the Chiefs. And a lot of players have blossomed under... Emma Thomas. You've seen a lot of players flourish, and really you see these players play to their potential. If Marcus Peters went somewhere else, if Eric Berry went somewhere else, I don't know if they would be playing to their potential like they are right now. And that's all because of a guy named Emma Thomas, who's been your, he, he he was brought in the same time as Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cornell were, were brought in going into Todd Haley's second year with the Chiefs in 2010. That's got to be one of the best additions. Uh, he was one of two coaches uh, kept around after the Chiefs let go of Scott Pioli and Romeo Cornell after the 2012 season. So shows you how much he's really valued across the league by coaches, GMs, in and around Kansas City. Now another coach on this defense, one that's actually very familiar with Darrell Rivas, is Bob Sutton. I, mean, I understand Bob Sutton, not the... Not a very popular guy here, but you've got to understand. I mean, look, familiarity goes a long ways in the NFL, and we see it from time and time. And we often see it, how how much guys follow another person, whether it's an assistant following one guy, uh, as we saw with Doug Peterson coming over to Kansas City when Andy Reid was hired as the head coach here. Uh, it goes a long way. And I'm certain that Bob Sutton... Being the defensive coordinator here, and I know a lot of people are not big fans of him right now, but I'm sure his presence just being here kind of had a had a role in Revis's decision to sign with the Chiefs. Revis was drafted 14th overall by the Jets in 2007. He played there from 2007 through 2012 in his first stint with the Jets. Bob Sutton, already employed by the Jets at that time, uh, when Revis was drafted, Sutton was already the defensive coordinator. He was the defensive coordinator one year before Revis was drafted. So from 06 to 08, the DC for the Jets, he was the senior defensive assistant and linebackers coach from 2009 through 2008. And then he was named the assistant head coach and linebackers coach in 2012 for the Jets. And by the way, I did say 2009 through 2008, I apologize. I meant from 2009 through 2011, he was the senior defensive assistant and the linebackers coach. But nonetheless, he has a lot of familiarity with Darrell Rivas. And that that's a, that's a big thing. And after Andy Reid was let go in 2012, the Jets also went through a lot of changes with their coaching staff. Andy Reid came over to Kansas City and Bob Sutton followed 
joining him, or not, not followed rather, but joined him and his staff, which was one of the one of the rare occasions where a guy who you maybe not worked a whole lot with her and didn't have a lot of familiarity familiarity with came over to the the team that Andy Reid's now part of and that's what happened with Bob Sutton so point being here Bob Sutton does have some familiarity with Darrell Rivas from 2007 through 2012 and after 2012 when Sutton and the a lot of the Jets coaches were let go Rivas also moved on that's when he moved on to Tampa Bay then New England then back to the Jets but now he's here in Kansas City and when you look at the numbers that the Chiefs have Ranked 28th, let's remember these numbers, fairly easy numbers to remember, ranked 28th in total defense, ranked 28th against pass, ranked 29th against the run. So the Chiefs are in the low 20s right now in total defense against the pass and against the run. And can Darrell Rivas help the Chiefs improve in all three of those categories? And I think that's something that remains to be seen. And I think his presence could have an impact for the Chiefs in all three of those categories. And by the way, as far as points per game goes, the Chiefs higher on that category, 14th, with 22 points allowed per game on average. Now, how does this change Kansas City's defense? Well, number one, you have one of the best cornerbacks in NFL history. And you look at the godfather, Gil Brandt, who ranked him the 16th best cornerback in NFL history this past July when he did his top 25 cornerback rankings of all time. He listed Darrell Rivas 16th. So, And Gil Brandt, of course, a guy who who a lot of people value his opinion when it comes to the sport of football. So you know that the Chiefs are definitely getting one of the best guys ever. And it's not just Gil Brennan. A lot of people, of course, recognize Revis as one of the best of all time. So you've got one of the best cornerbacks in NFL history. How about also already having, opposite of him, one of the best cornerbacks in the game today in Marcus Peters? Marcus Peters and Durrell Revis on the same team. Tyrod Taylor, by the way, and we'll get into this. He is now named the starting quarterback. He's got his starting role back after losing it for one week. And I've got to say, this is probably a bad week to to get it back. And boy, I know Kansas City's defense hasn't been good, but having Darrell Rivas, uh, that could be good. By the way, as far as his activity for this week, he was asked if he'd be available this week to play. Andy Reid's response Wednesday in Wednesday's press conference was, we'll see. So that's something that remains to be seen as far as he will play or not. I, I imagine he's got to. You, you've just got to throw him out there. Not, well, I'll take that back. Not throw him out there, but you've got to get him going. And listen, as, with the familiarity with Bob Sutton's defense, I think it it's okay to let him play with just four days notice coming into the Chiefs facility. Number two, defensive game plan and the approach must change. Enough of having members of the front seven float back in coverage. There's just no reason for that. Now, there's definitely no reason for that. Let the front seven focus on the line of scrimmage. Going after the quarterback. Guys like Justin Houston. D. Ford, if he's going to be available. Tamba Bahali, if he's going to be available. Get ready to stop the run. That's what that front seven needs to focus on. Now, occasionally, you may have an inside linebacker who will fall back a little bit. And that's totally different. That's so, certainly understandable, but... Definitely don't use your elite pass rusher, your outside linebacker, as a guy falling back in coverage because there's no reason for a guy who had 22 sacks a couple of years ago to be going back in coverage when he should be going after the quarterback. So hopefully that approach will change this time around. Number three, well, this is kind of long term, the future. 
You have him signed through 2018 if he stays. And I'll get into that in just a moment. But if he does stay for 2018, you have Eric Berry, the best safety in the game, who will be coming back. You've got Marcus Peters, arguably the best young corner today and maybe the best corner overall right now in the league. And then you have Revis, one of the best to ever play at that position. And of course, it remains to be seen how he'll do this season. But if he proves that he's doing great, why not? Why would you not want him back next season? He's already agreed to that deal. All you've got to do is just simply say that you accept it, move on with him, and you owe him the $10 million for 2018. And look, I know this is long-term future, uh, but man, uh, you got to use your imagination sometimes and just have fun with it. Darrell Rivas, Marcus Peters, Eric Berry. And then you got some grinders out there like Ron Parker, Dan Sorensen, who I, I know maybe not p- playing great, but he's certainly showing his toughness and his his effort on the field trying to make plays. Terrence Mitchell, I think if he goes back to a slot corner role, or maybe even Philip or not Philip Gaines, excuse me, Steven Nelson, who, who was a tremendous slot corner last year, maybe the best slot corner in the league last year, maybe that'll make those guys a little bit better, going back to a different role. So this is huge for Kansas City, and I think just one player's presence in Darrell Rivas, in so many ways, as we just discussed here, it could really make a difference. Let's remember these numbers. I'll say it one more time. 28th in total defense, 28th against the pass, and 29th against the run. And I'd like to see those numbers go up to the high 20s, maybe even the low teens, or the lower 20s, higher teens, I should say, by the time the season ends. And if that's the case, oh boy, did the Chiefs hit the jackpot in signing Darrell Rivas. And that, of course, begs the question of, do you bring him back for 2018? Well, this is where things get a little tricky here, and we start to get hardcore into the business side of things. His contract. And how that really affects the the team, and what kind of a role does Alex Smith play in this? According to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, Darrell Rivas signed a two-year deal that pays him the minimum with incentives available for 2017 and $10 million for 2018, as I mentioned. According to Rappaport, Kansas City must make a decision by the start of the 2018 league year, which is going to be in March, before the money becomes guaranteed, unless the Chiefs can restructure a couple of contracts, they will likely have to decide between either Alex Smith or Darrell Rivas. So, the way I'm looking at it right now, you've got Alex Smith, and he's set to make, he's got a cap number of $20.6 million, as does Justin Houston, but Justin's, you're stuck with Justin Houston's contract. You're not stuck with Alex Smith's contract. You were not stuck with it this year, but the Chiefs decided to stay with him, but you're also not stuck with it for next year. For 2018, the Chiefs are already $1.5 million over the cap, according to OverTheCap.com. That excludes the Darrell Rivas contract. And I mentioned Alex Smith set to make $20.6 million. Same with Justin Houston. Eric Fisher set to make $13.9. Eric Berry, $13 million. DJ, $10.25 million. Travis Kelsey, a little bit over ten, And Tamba at nine and a half. So... Whether you can restructure Tom Bahali and Derek Johnson's deal, that remains to be seen. But uh, those are way easier said than done right now. 
According to SpotTrack.com, very similar to OverTheCap.com, according to SpotTrack, the Chiefs are $8.65 million over the cap, which includes the Darrell Rivas steal, apparently. And I'm not a whiz when it comes to all of these contract deals and how those numbers work. So I'm just going with what the numbers show right now. So according to SpotTrack, which includes the Darrell Rivas deal for 2018, the Chiefs are $8.65 million over the cap. Certainly not number, not a number that's acceptable. Now, if you go to OverTheCap.com, they have a calculator that allows you to figure out wh- where a team will be and how much cap space will be freed up if you trade someone, if you cut someone, if you restructure somebody. Uh, all, all kinds of things you can do with it. Kind of a neat tool to use. So what I did was I just clicked on cutting Alex Smith. And according to Over the Cap, the Chiefs save $13,967,690 So let's just say $13.96 to be to be short and accurate. The Chiefs will save $13.96 million in cap space if they free Alex Smith. Now, remember the $8.6 million I mentioned that they're over the cap with? If you cut Alex Smith and use that $13.6 million to gain in doing so, the Chiefs will be $5.3 million over the cap if they cut Alex Smith before the new league year begins in March. So take all that in for just a moment. Unless the Chiefs can find a way to restructure deals with Tom Bahali and Derek Johnson... The Chiefs have to decide, ultimately, between Alex Smith or Darrell Rivas. And a lot of that depends on what we see in the last six games and how far this team goes into the playoffs, if they are able to make it into the playoffs. Now listen, these kinds of things still a long ways to go, but general managers always have to think that this, this is their job. I know we don't think about these things because we're focused on this season now, but look man... These are the kind of things that general managers have to be aware of at all times. They're scouting, preparing for the upcoming draft while we're watching these games. Uh, they're they're looking at all these cap numbers and trying to figure out, okay, well, what can we do if we cut this guy or restructure this guy or keep this guy, let the, go of this person? They're going through all of that. And there are a lot of people involved in that process as well and helping make a decision there. So there's a lot to take in right there. I know I just threw a, num- a lot of numbers at you guys, but man... The Chiefs can do a lot of things if they trade or cut Alex Smith. And I've always been in the camp that you've got to trade him after this season. And given that you just signed... I originally said maybe trade him early in the regular season for 2018. But now that you have Darrell Rivas and there's this big hole in your salary camp, you've got to trade him. You've got to trade him before March. It has to happen at this point. Move on with... The young quarterback you drafted. You traded up 13 spots for it to get. You've got to do it. Man, this Darrell Rivas thing. We, I mean, almost 24 minutes into the show. And we've spent a lot of time talking about this. And just how much of an impact his presence makes. On defense. The familiarity with Bob Sutton. And of course, the craziness with the contract. And how Alex Smith plays a role in all of this. Crazy stuff here. One person signing. And just what it can do. And of course, the optimism, I think, certainly has 
revived with Chiefs fans. Definitely something that I'm happy about right now. I think this can make a big impact for the Chiefs. You don't have Eric Berry, your other big guy in the secondary. So have two premier cornerbacks on your team. Now the jury still remains to be seen. Is Darrell Revis going to be able to play like an Ely corner? Well, look, you're not playing a lot of hot prospect offense coming up this week. A lot of weak players, a lot of weak offenses coming up in the last few games of the regular season. So this may be a good time for Darrell Revis to kind of get his feet wet. It's been a while since he's played and go out there and try to make a few plays before you start playing some real tough offenses in January. Going to be a lot of fun. Revis Island and Marcus Peters now on this football team. And if he's if, if Revis is with the Chiefs in 2018, oh boy, add Eric Berry to the mix. And this is going to be a really fun secondary to watch. That I look forward to already thinking about that for 2018. But for right now, let's see what this team can do with a very strong cornerback duo for the remainder of 2017. Okay, exciting news here because, hey, let's be honest. We, everyone has something to say about this. And I know there are some people who don't give a damn about this. But let me just say right now to those who are upset about this, fast forward the next two minutes. Because I'm not going to spend too much on, t- time on this topic. Feel free to fast forward the next two topics. If you're going to whine like a little girl at me on social media that I discuss this topic. Look, I really don't want you listening to this podcast because I really think people get way too whiny over over stupid stuff like this. Look, it's not my fault that these areas have clashed. They just have. So just going to spend a brief moment on this because there's really not much to say about this. I think it's kind of comical, to be honest, Uh, especially the player that sent out this tweet. But Donald Trump, of course... Called out Marshawn Lynch, as you guys know, with the Oakland Raiders. He stood for the Mexican National Anthem and then sat down for the United States National Anthem. And Donald Trump said, called it great disrespect on Twitter. Next time the NFL should suspend him for the remainder of the season, attendance and ratings are way down. Okay, look, I, I get that attend- attendance has been going down for a while. It has nothing to do with the protest. It's been going on before the protest. As far as the ratings, mm, okay, perhaps. Uh, but even then, the NFL is still, uh, I mean, they're winning the ratings battle. No one else has been able to top the NFL in that category. Now, funny enough, there is one Chiefs player who stood up for Marshawn Lynch, and that player is Marcus Peters. We all know Marcus Peters. He's been protesting as well throughout the season. And his tweet, he sent out a tweet to Donald Trump, and he used a lot of slang terms, a lot of horrible grammars, but I I knew what he meant. So I'm going to read the tweet just in in correct English terms, for lack of a better term. So here's what Marcus Peters wrote to Donald Trump. He said, what's, I love his introductory uh, statement here, what's going on, big dog? He calls him big dog. I know we have a lot of things that we need to talk about. How about we set up a sit-down with you, me, Marshawn Lynch, tagging him on Twitter, and more, and we talk about some blank. Hey, not a bad idea. Maybe, hey, listen, Marcus Peters, I know he may not be the most popular president right now or ever, but hey, perhaps maybe at least approach this a little bit more professionally, let's just say. This is, by the way, what I suggested when Donald Trump made the SOB comment. 
earlier this season. I, I think he should have avoided that, and he should have reached out to Colin Kaepernick or to Marshawn Lynch or to Marcus Peters and said, hey, look, why don't you come visit me during your bye week and let's talk about things. And by the way, I, people complain that Donald Trump is, focus, is focusing on on an issue like this in the NFL when there are other important matters. Look, I agree, but th- at the same time, people make it sound like he can only focus on one thing at a time. A president cannot, and by the way, they have to focus on multiple things. Certain things more important than, the, than others, yes, I agree. Uh, but look, I, I think the right thing that he could have done there is to reach out to, to Kaepernick or to somebody and, and say, hey, let, let's talk, Let, let's meet up, come to the White House, let's discuss things. I think that would have been the better way to go about it. Now you see Marcus Peters. I haven't seen another player do this. So look, I know we've been very critical of Marcus Peters and what he's done this season, but let's give him a little bit of credit because at the end of the day, we do need a solution to all of this. Do we want to keep having this political clash with Donald Trump and the NFL and the players kneeling for the anthem? No, we want this all to end. Of course we do. So why not meet up and talk? And I think Marcus Peters is suggesting the right thing here. I don't know when you could do this, given that the Chiefs don't have a buy right now. So hopefully they can come to some sort of a, an agreement and some sort of a solution. That's what we need to go towards right now. Chiefs Pro Bowlers currently are out right now. The early list for Pro Bowlers have been released. The top 10 vote getters are out. And two Chiefs players are on that list. Chiefs running back Kareem Hunt... Seventh on the list with more than 204,000 votes. Alex Smith, 10th on the list with more than 178,000 votes. So Kareem Hunt and Alex Smith, 7th and 10th among the top 10 in Pro Bowl vote getters early so far. Tyreek Hill, also the leading vote getter for return specialists with more than 55,000 votes in the early goings for the Pro Bowl voting. As far as guys who I think will make it into... And by the way, as far as the list goes, they showed the top 10 vote-getters, and then they showed the top two uh, leaders at each position. And shockingly, Travis Kelsey was not one of those guys at tight end, which he should have. Uh, But at the end of the day, as far as guys who I think will make the Pro Bowl, I think Alex Smith, given his his great early start, and keep in mind, they're not voting on right now. They're voting on what they've seen so far. So Alex Smith definitely getting in. Kareem Hunt getting in. They're in the top 10 right now in in receiving votes. So they're definitely going to be voted in. Travis Kelsey, I still think, is going to make it. We see Tyree Kill, the work he does on wide receiver and on special teams, I think that'll definitely guarantee him a lot of votes to get into the Pro Bowl. So I think those four players for sure will get into the Pro Bowl. As far as offensive linemen, uh, I'm not too sure. Maybe a couple guys get voted in because the Chiefs were great in rushing early on. So you may see a Mitch Morse an Eric Fisher or an LDT or Mitchell Schwartz, one of them to go in. If I had to pick one guy, I would probably give it to Mitchell Schwartz. He has the highest rated grade on the team right now in pro football focus out of the five offensive linemen, but not a lot of, not, not, not a lot of pro bowl greatness, I guess. No, not a lot of pro bowl caliber players on this line right now. As far as the defensive side of the football goes, I definitely think Justin Houston will get in because of name recognition. Marcus Peters, I think for sure will get a pro bowl nod. This season, uh, Darrell Rivas, I think he could amass a couple of votes late on. Uh, he could be end up being an alternate, but I think for now, your pro bowlers on offense, you've got the four guys, 
Smith, P, uh, Smith, uh, Hunt, Travis Kelsey, and uh, Hill. On defense, I think Justin Houston will get in with name recognition, and Marcus Peters will get in. And I think this is kind of a wild card here, but I think Harrison Butker, he's not leading right now in any of the votes, but I think he could maybe squeeze in. He's made 22 of 23 field goals, making 22 straight. I think he's definitely got to be in consideration to be a Pro Bowler right now. Cairo Santos was an alternate last year, as was Dustin Colquitt. So I, I, I definitely think that, considering what Butker has done, he could definitely be a Pro Bowler for this season. He could be voted in. But hopefully, they don't play in the Pro Bowl this season, and they'll be preparing for a different bowl. But I think at this point, we're we're getting our hopes hopes up for, for anything like that. But there you are, your early Chiefs Pro Bowlers, for sure. Right now, the guaranteed ones, Kareem Hunt and Alex Smith, as well as Tyreek Hill. Three Chiefs players return to practice this week. Wide receiver Albert Wilson, who has been dealing with a hamstring injury, has missed the last two games, plus was out of action for the bye week. So he's essentially been out of commission for three weeks for the Chiefs. He returned to practice on Wednesday. Defensive end Alan Bailey and Tom Bahali Outside linebacker, both have been dealing with knee issues. Both missed the Giants game and both returned to practice on Wednesday. Albert Wilson has been making a lot of plays this year for the Chiefs. He's been involved in some plays here and there. Nothing too big. Of course, he was there on that tip uh, against the Raiders where it should have been intercepted, but he picked it up. Uh, and of course, the tip drill, that's something they practice practice a lot. And Coming through right there, of course, that one of his biggest highlights of the season. Maybe the biggest highlight for Albert Wilson this year. But he's also been involved on some big plays here. And let's not forget Albert Wilson's speed and what he brings to the table. And just how much damage he can also do. Kind of similar to what DeAnthony Thomas did for a couple of weeks. Kind of similar to what Tyreek Hill has been doing for a while. So, you definitely need Albert Wilson back. Definitely need him back because... Right now, you're very thin at wide receiver. You've lost Chris Conley for the season. Before the year, you released Jeremy Macklin and... You're dealing with uh, Tyree Kill, Demarcus Robinson, DeAnthony Thomas. Not a lot of big-name threats on offense outside of Tyree Kill. Guys who have contributed, certainly, but definitely no one that is going to do some damage, some big damage on opposing defenses. Now, we'll see if they're going to be able to play this weekend against the Bills. And speaking of the Bills... And especially those two guys on defense certainly could use those guys, Alan Bailey and Tom Bahali. Tom Bahali played a little bit in that Dallas game, and in the time that he did play, and, and he was called on to blitz, oh boy, did he did he put some pressure on Dak Prescott. And that definitely made some sort of an impact in the game in helping the Chiefs try to limit the Cowboys' defense from going off. Now the Bills' offense, 27th in total offense, 30th in passing 11th in running with the football. We'll get into that shortly. They're 19th in points per game, scoring 20.8 points per game. They've got Tyrod Taylor back in his starting role. He passed and ran for a touchdown last week when he filled in right after halftime after Nate Peterman was just doing too damn awful against the Chargers. And by the way, Tyrod Taylor running and throwing for a touchdown, doing so for the ninth time since 2015. That's the third highest in the NFL by a quarterback. Taylor is third in rushing yards this season among QBs with 275. He's got 11 touchdowns and three interceptions on the season. LaShawn McCoy, I mentioned I'll get to in just a moment. Drafted by Andy Reid in Philadelphia originally in the second round. He is eighth in rushing in the league with 709 yards 
and leads the league in yards, amassing 20-plus yards with nine of them total, barely ahead of Kareem Hunt and Mark Ingram, each who have eight on the season when it comes to 20-plus yard runs. Pass catchers for the Buffalo Bills, oh boy, this is not a good group. And what a good time for Darrell Rivas to come in because he's not going to be going up against any big-name threats this week. So this is definitely a good time time for him to just kind of go out there, get his feet wet, and hopefully not do too horribly bad or not not lose too big of a step in his first game back in the NFL. Tight end Charles Clay leads the team in receiving yards with 298 and two touchdowns. Obviously not very high, 10 games into the season. LaShawn McCoy, the running back, leads the team in receptions with 42. Jordan Matthews has 22 catches for 253 yards. Deontay Thompson and Nick O'Leary each have 16 catches, each both just under 240 yards. And Zay Jones has 220 catches with 236 yards. Uh, Leads the team with three touchdown grabs. There is no clear-cut dominant pass catcher outside of McCoy. And when your running back is the dominant pass catcher, that's bad. That was the case for the Chiefs in 2014 when Jamal Charles led the team in receptions and receiving yards. In addition to everything he was doing on the ground, that is never a good sign. That's great. Shows you how great the running back is. But that definitely is a sign that this offense needs to bolster up with wide receivers and and tight ends. And that's the case with the Buffalo Bills right now. And they did so earlier this season when they acquired Kelvin Benjamin from the Carolina Panthers. He's been fairly quiet so far, suffered a knee injury last Sunday, but Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Bills, said that Benjamin didn't suffer any ligament damage to his knee, his right knee, which is good news for him. Currently listed as questionable for this game against the Chiefs. He has just four catches for 62 yards so far in the two games he has played with the Bills thus far. Outside of Richie Incognito, the rest of the offensive line, really a disaster. No one really that great. Uh, on the offensive line, Tyrod Taylor has been sacked 29 times. That's fourth most in the league. And keep in mind, he only played in the second half against the Chargers. I mean, you've got a guy like Joey Bosa who probably could have made that number even higher. Certainly shows that, that this offensive line for the Bills, not a very good one. Hey, look, I know Justin Houston couldn't do it last week against the backup undrafted rookie, but gosh, this is a great time for Justin Houston and that front seven to really go out there and do some damage. I know I keep saying that week in and week out, but man, what, what is this front seven waiting for? Now that you've got Darrell Rivas, who hopefully will play in this game, that can definitely make a difference for this defense moving forward in their approach and what they want to do and trying to beat this week offensive line for the Bills. Flipping over to the defensive side for the Bills, 25th in total defense, 24th against the pass and against the run, 23rd in points allowed per game with 25 on the season. So this is not a very tough Bills defense to go through. This is definitely a defense that any offense can really do some damage against. And considering what Kansas City's done this year and just how bad they looked against the Giants, Oh man, uh, this is a time to really turn things around. And I know I've been saying that as well for a couple of weeks now, but it's got to happen at some point. You're at, you're back at home at Arrowhead. Let's get things going. It's been it's been a few weeks since the Chiefs last played a game at home. It was that Monday night football win over the Broncos since it last happened. So let's get that offense going against this defense. They have a few highlights on this defense. Not a whole lot though. Free safety Micah Hyde on the defense. Second interceptions in the league behind Tennessee's Kevin Bayard. 
Linebacker Preston Brown, he's tied sixth in the league in total tackles with 83 on the season. Defensive ends Shaq Lawson and Jerry Hughes each have three sacks on the year. So Eric Fischel and Mitchell Schwartz, the offensive tackles for the Chiefs, they'll definitely have their hands full going up against these defensive ends for the Buffalo Bills. And one other thing to note, rookie cornerback Tredavious White, taken in the first round by the Bills, 27th overall. Uh, he He's played fairly well this season. Probably the best rookie corner this year. His stats don't necessarily show it. Maybe a little bit. He's got one pick, two fumble recoveries, and one forced fumbles. But he rarely allows the big plays. He rarely allows guys to torch him for big gains vertically. And it should be interesting to see how he does trying to defend against Tyree Kill in this football game. Final unit, looking at the special teams unit, kicker Stephen Hashka. One note from him, interesting note, 13 consecutive field goals made from 50-plus yards away. That is the longest active streak in the NFL right now. As far as the return game goes, Brandon Tate, the wide receiver, handles the return duties both on kick returns and punts. Just a fairly average turner. Not good, not great. Not bad, eh, whatever you want to say. Uh, Just an average guy. 21st in return yards, 10th in average kick return yards this year. Punter Colton Schmidt, again, same thing about Brandon Tate. Average guy, 14th in average punt yards and 15th in net average this season. As far as turnovers go for the Buffalo Bills, they have a plus 5 turnover ratio. That's ninth best in the NFL with two others. 13 giveaways this year. That's tied 13th with two other teams. They have 18 takeaways, which is 7th best. 11 interceptions, which is 7th best. And 7 fumble recoveries, which is also 7th best. So, they're one of the better teams in the NFL when it comes to takeaways. And the Chiefs have been very careless with the football lately. Alex Smith had 3 interceptions. One of them luckily called back. But man, definitely got to do a much better job taking care of the football. And that is something the Chiefs did a great job of for the first... Seven, eight games of the season, only committing one turnover, and that was the very first snap of the season uh, on offense for the Chiefs, and that was that Kareem Hunt fumble, and since then they went a long time without any giveaway. So the Chiefs have got to be careful because they've been careless lately, and I I know it's late in the season, and the intensity's turned up. It's late in November. Everyone's trying to fight for a playoff spot. All 32 teams are alive right now, including the Browns. i got to get to that in just a moment, but... Just shows you that the you know you never quit until it's over. You just don't. And the Kansas City Chiefs have got to make sure that they're taking care of the football because th- those will ultimately decide the wins and losses in-, in football games. They really will. I'd like to see Demarcus Robinson step up and have a big game for the Chiefs. He's played more snaps lately, and he's been getting some action this year for the Chiefs. 13 catches, 140 yards after having zilch on the on the stat sheet last year. As a rookie. Now look. In a lot of these predictions. When I see the Chiefs going up against a team. That's not doing too hot. I tend to predict a blowout. A blowout victory. In favor of Kansas City. I've got to stop doing that. Because you're just not seeing the same dynamic Chiefs offense. In the first few weeks. Compared to right now. We're just not. Maybe it comes back this week. And that would be awesome. But for how long? I think that would be another question moving forward. For right now, I'm predicting a 24-14 Chiefs win. I think Harrison Butker can add on to his streak, make it 23 consecutive field goals on the season, making it 23 of 24 field goals. I think Alex Smith will be able to distribute the football 
with his pass catchers. And as long as you've got Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill available, I think that's what matters the most. Be a, Continue to use them. Travis Kelsey continues to do big things for you on the offensive side of the football. Tyree Kill, everyone knows about him, how big of a decoy he can be, how much damage he can do. Keep in mind last week, he was targeted seven times and caught all seven passes, including a horribly underthrown deep pass to Tyree Kill. So this is also a guy who you know is going to fight for you and come through when you really need him to. And I think if Demarcus Robinson can have a big game, maybe have five, six catches for 60 or more yards and have a touchdown, I think that would be really big and that would really go a long ways for the offense in trying to rebound and snap this losing skid, the struggle that they've got going on, losing four of their last five games. So I'm predicting a 24-14 to 14 victory. Let me know your thoughts on all of this. Facebook.com slash Farzin Vesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzin2. And you guys can email me as well. Farzin at FarzineVesugian.com. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. A lot of news to discuss in the AFC West. A very busy week for the AFC West. You've got coordinators getting fired, a, a big name quarterback getting signed, a lot going on with three of the four teams in the AFC West. First off, Broncos fire offensive coordinator Mike McCoy after barely averaging 14 points per game during their six-game losing streak. Also announced this week that they will start Paxton Lynch at quarterback this week against the Raiders. And by the way, speaking of the Raiders, they fire defensive coordinator Ken Norton. Look, the Kansas City Chiefs have struggled lately. The rest of the AFC West teams, and by the way, there's a two-game gap between first place and the two teams tied for second place with the Chargers and the Raiders. This is a great move by both the Broncos and the Raiders. They know that the division's not far apart right now. Everyone's fairly close in, 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 in trying to make it right now. So why not make a change and see if you can make a push to win the division? Because it's wide open right now. If Kansas City were to struggle and lose one more game, well... If the Raiders were to come away with a win against the Broncos, well, then next thing you know, the Broncos are, or excuse me, the Raiders are one game away, one game behind the Chiefs. If if the Broncos win and if the Chiefs lose this week and if the Chargers also lose, well, you've got three teams that are two games behind the Chiefs with five to go, and that can make for a very interesting December, especially when you have a lot of divisional matchups in that month. So that's something definitely to keep an eye on. And by the way, speaking of this division, love him or hate him, Skip Bayless tweeted that he called he, he thought the AFC West was going to be the AFC best. And he said that right now, with how awful all four teams have looked lately, none of them deserve a, a playoff spot. And again, love him or hate him, I, I know people aren't big fans of, uh, of Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp, uh, Stephen A. Smith. But listen, man, Skip Bayless makes some terrific points here. I mean, no one's looking good in the AFC right now. None of these guys are worthy of a playoff spot. Someone's going to go in because of the rules, the way it works. But man, uh, whoever comes out alive in the AFC West, hopefully they can at least play some good football. Hopefully that team is the Kansas City Chiefs because it's better to at least have a shot in the postseason than not. I know a lot of Chiefs fans have this mindset that the, the Chiefs are a one-and-done team and they've already signed, sealed, and delivered it. But man, look, I'd rather at least have another one and done, at least an opportunity, rather than think about what you know what, what could we have done in the playoffs. At least have that opportunity. 
By the way, I mentioned that the Cleveland Browns can still make the playoffs at 6-10. This is a possibility, folks. This is not a joke. They're 0-10 right now. But if they win six consecutive games, and if 47 other things happen, they can go to the playoffs. Now, among those 47 things that they need, six of them include the Chiefs winning, which means that if the Chiefs lose one game this year, one more game, the Cleveland Browns are off automatically and officially eliminated from postseason contention. So, hey, look, Kansas City. Hopefully, this will fire them up to get, get that monkey off their shoulder, get away from this recent struggle, this recent skid of theirs, and win six consecutive games. Because if you do that, and if the 41 other things happen, and if the Browns can win out, the Browns will go to the playoffs at 6-10. and 10. How cool would that be? I doubt it happens, though. Let's go out of bounds. Man, just bad news for MU basketball. It's being reported that Michael Porter Jr. has a spinal disc injury and could be out for the remainder of the college basketball season. Just sucks. Just flat out sucks. MU, they've been really bad for for years now in basketball. And they land this kid number one recruit in the nation and this gives them a lot of hope gives the program some hope gives the fans a lot of hope and now he's hurt and kind of wonder well what does this do for the mu team moving forward i mean this is an mu team that received some votes in the ap poll in the offseason and in the preseason and they played ku fairly close i know that was just an exhibition game but that was a fairly close and hard-fought play game by the tigers uh, at the sprint center in that hurricane uh, uh, relief game relief for uh, all these hurricanes that have taken place recently in North America so man it, it, he's looked pretty good so far for for the Tigers and for him to go down certainly bad news for MU but also for him too personally because let's be honest we knew that he was going to be a one and done or at least that was the prediction what does this do to his draft stock how does this affect him now there may be a team that would be willing to take him but maybe not top five so to say he'd be a second round guy and that's certainly not what he wants as far as you know playtime goes his his contract all of that would be fairly low compared to what he would want and what would be expected so this is just a tough break for him it really is and for the mu program as a whole too second thing i want to talk about here in this segment black friday and listen people are gonna write posts on thursday about how thankful they are and how much they love their family, they love their health, and they love that they're alive, they love the Lord. And these are the same people who go out and complain about their horrible and just really sad Black Friday experience and how someone cut them in line and all this other BS. Look, listen, uh, I will enjoy spending part of my Friday watching people fight other people. I'm going to enjoy watching that on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever I can get this. I'm going to enjoy watching this because people fighting over stupid crap that isn't worth fighting over is just flat out funny. All because of a discounted price. Go work overtime at your job or go work a a, a part-time job in addition to your full-time and make more money so you can afford this stuff before the sale on Madness Day. I mean, screw Black Friday. I call it Madness Day. Because it's just flat, flat out dumb. 
By the way, Kevin Durant, of course, returned to Oklahoma City to play against the Thunder with the Warriors, and it appeared that he called Russell Westbrook the five-letter P-word, the same word Jerry Jones used. And I don't know what it is with basketball players when they go back and visit an old team of theirs. Uh, LeBron James got a lot of boos from Cleveland Cavalier fans when he went back while he was a member of the Miami Heat. That was just tough for him. Dwight Howard, when he returned to L.A. and playing against Kobe Bryant, the back-and-forth they had, not friendly at all with those two guys. I don't know what it is with basketball players, man. There's always some sort of animosity with these guys. Uh, I don't know what it is with that sport, but, man, you want you, people want to complain about the NFL players being disrespectful and p- protesting and all these kinds of stuff. And I'm not saying NFL players don't trash talk or don't curse at each other, but Jesus Christ, man. I mean, if you want to be critical... Be critical of guys who are actually saying certain things about others. One final note, by the way. Props to Oklahoma. Props to Lincoln Riley, the first-year head coach there, filling in for Bob Stoops. Man, uh, I, I said this last week, just how bad a, of, a, of, a, of a model Baker Mayfield is, considering how great of a football player he is. Well, guess what Oklahoma's doing? They're not letting him start this week, nor... Will he be a captain for the Sooners this weekend? Props to the Sooners, man, because they're 10-1 trying to fight for a playoff spot, trying to fight for a big bowl game, and that could be a difference maker. And I think at the end of the day, Riley's trying to send a message, look, I don't care how good of a football player you are. Forget that. At the end of the day, if you aren't representing us in a positive manner, we're going to, I mean, we're, they're, they're, there's just going to be repercussions. Simple as that. Good for Lincoln Riley, man. Props to him for doing that. Not a lot of coaches would do that. Especially in this position, position 10-1 going into the final week of the regular season with a playoff spot up for grabs or a very high bowl game. Man, uh, Lincoln Riley, uh, hats off to him, man. Give him coach of the year. Done a good job in his first season with the Sooners and... Considering the statement he's made, and I think something that should be noted all across college football, that's big. I don't know how long Baker Mayfield will be held out for. He could still play in this game, but man, to strip him of a, of a starting role and captain role, that is a statement right there. Final segment, let's throw some penalty flags. As you may know, at the Sprint Center, one of the coolest events at the Sprint Center each year, the CBE Hall of Fame Classic took place on Monday and Tuesday. The four teams this year, Creighton, UCLA, Baylor, and Wisconsin. Now, obviously, none of those four teams include KU, and Tuesday night, KU had a basketball game. Now, for those who have done this at the Sprint Center, or maybe you've received tours, or even noticed in other spots uh, across the arena, you guys know that, you know, there's some... Places where you can just sit down, have a drink at one of the bars at the Sprint Center. Or if you paid a hefty price for some of the bigger bars that they have at the Sprint Center where it's only for VIP only, then you've probably been there before. Which I don't know why anyone would go there. I mean, it's essentially going to a restaurant, but you're paying a lot more just to be at that arena when you're actually not even close to the seats there. I don't know why anyone would pay for that. But there were complaints from KU fans at the Sprint Center attending a, a four-team tournament that doesn't involve KU that the KU game was not on at Sprint Center TVs 
in the uh, in the bar areas. Why the hell are you at the Sprint Center then? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're you know every week when I every podcast when I do the penalty flag segment, I, I look for people who just don't use their brains that just don't have logic. And every time I find a story, I'm thinking, wow, this person definitely did not use their brain. There's no way I can find someone dumber than this person. But every podcast, I find someone dumber and dumber and dumber. Oh, how does this happen? Look, if you really want to see the KU game that badly, don't pay a lot of money for a ticket at this event or for VIP access for a bar area and have interest in a game that's not even happening at that arena. What are you doing there? Guys, help me here. What's going on with society? Like, someone please tell me why this person is at the Sprint Center. I need to know. Like, I I normally don't care for these things, but I just have to know, like, what this person's thought process is. Facebook.com slash Farzimasugian at Farzine21 on Twitter. Like, someone please shed some light on this. Show me the other side of it, because I have no idea what the hell to say. Other than that, this person is just flat out stupid. Speaking of flat out stupid, oh my, Ray Allen, former NBA player, uh, oh boy, I can't believe I'm about to read this, I, I really can't, I, anyway, Ray Allen, yeah, you guys remember him with the Seattle Supersonics before they moved over to Oklahoma City, you remember that team, uh, played for the Celtics as well, Ray Allen, who has a wife, by the way, was catfished by a guy named Bryant Coleman, who posed as multiple different attractive women online. His quote-unquote relationship with with Coleman, essentially, was all through DMs and texts. No no phone conversations, no FaceTime, no, none of that. Essentially, what, uh, what the guy did to Manti Teo posing as Lene Kakua uh, and got away with that. How do you let this happen? Just how? I mean, look, I'll be honest, man. I, I'm on I'm on the Tinders and the Bumbles. I, I'm on there. But you know what I do before I meet up with a girl? I actually have a phone conversation. I actually add them on social media. Like, I have to know if they have a social media and add them on there and at least talk to them on the phone at least once or twice to verify that they are real. Like, if you don't do any of that, then you deserve to be catfished. And Ray Allen got catfished. And he has a wife. Let me say one one thing, by the way. And here's a, here's a very cool case. A very average case of an athlete that just followed some attractive looking women on social media and wanted to exchange numbers and start flirting and see what would happen from there. Uh, and by the way, what I'm about to say, I'm not bragging with any of this at, by all means, but I do have a, a funny story behind all of this. Uh, I went on a, on a date with this girl who I met in college. She was Miss Teen Kansas once. Uh, fairly nice girl, but also full of herself and also very ditzy. But n- again, not the whole point. Uh, the point being is uh, at one point we were hanging out and she had told me, and I'm not going to say names, but she has told me and she has showed me too the DMs. Some of her, some athletes that she had followed from KU and the Chiefs, as well as other college and pro athletes, they have followed her back. And again, we're talking about people with the blue verification mark, people who make millions of dollars. People have followed her back and have asked 
for her number. Again, these are just pro athletes who obviously, you know, they, they can get all the ladies, sure. They, they check their followers. They see an attractive lady, follow them. And again, keep in mind, this lady who I'm, who I'm talking about here was Miss Teen Kansas at one point. Uh, <laughs> they just follow back. And in the Twitter DMs, in their introductory uh, message, they, they talk about wanting to exchange numbers. Pro athletes do this, folks. They just blindly follow attractive women. And maybe you never know it. These people could be just like Mr. Coleman posing as attractive women. And they want to exchange numbers. Where is logic, folks? (laughs) Like, I might as well rename this segment to the the logic segment. The logic absence segment. I don't know. But Ray Allen, you deserve a flag for that. That does it for this episode of the Chiefs Stone Podcast. A good episode! Good things happening right now. I know it's been very negative, very somber lately. But man, let's keep some optimism here. Darrell Revis. Revis Island in Kansas City. Will he play this week? We'll find out later on. I'll update you guys on the injury report this week on Thursday and Friday. Hopefully we can hear some final words Saturday or early Sunday morning. But nonetheless, hopefully things are turning around for the Chiefs. I think this one edition of Darrell Rivas, if he can be in his Pro Bowl form. This could be very good for Kansas City. Only time will tell. Big thanks to all of you guys for listening to the podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you guys celebrating in the United States. Big thanks to all of you listening to the Chiefs on Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Let a friend know about it. Tell your neighbor, tell your coworker, tell your classmates, tell everyone about the Chiefs on Podcast. Share it on social media. Share the links. It helps the podcast out greatly. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzine Follow me on there. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and email me Farzine at FarzineMasugian.com. That'll wrap up the show. Big thanks to all of you guys. Enjoy your holiday weekend. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Stay home and watch the videos on Black Friday instead of shopping for crazy stuff. And enjoy the rest of your long weekend. Talk to you guys Sunday on Facebook Live at halftime and after the game, and the podcast will be out late Sunday night. So be on the lookout for that. Until then, enjoy your holiday weekend.